Welcome back, Masters of the Multi-Useiverse. My name is Gar Punnett, Chief Impact Officer here at Reapley. Today, we are joined by Karen Dilley, VP of Partnerships at Recurate, and we are able to learn what Peak Design, Outer Known, and Killstar all have in common. The answer, with more complicated uh, than this, is they are clothing brands that use Recurate to solve their re-commerce needs for the market. Enjoy this entertaining conversation with Karen. She goes into the details. I try to drag her up back into some of the explanations, but then we plow through right into some of the really good stuff that we learned about what's happening in the re-commerce market. Karen Dilley, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we're here with Karen, VP of Partnerships at Recurate. We were just actually having a conversation around how to cultivate sort of an audience um, around our brands. And I was sharing the thought that it's it's very difficult to do on our end, and we're still trying to figure out who we speak to when we get media, when we get attention. Um, what have you all found successful? What do, you, what do you guys, you guys had a big announcement recently and you've been doing some big things. What have you found to be most successful? Yeah, it's a great question and it's not easy as someone who's been in like business development and sales for a long time, um, especially because I think similar to you all, no one's ever owned resale at a brand before. No one's uh, no one's done it. And so right. I, I joke, but it's not a joke. Like if you're selling marketing automation, you know you got to sell it to a marketing leader. Yes. And when you're selling resale, it's like, who the heck do we talk to? Who owns this in that's, the company? That's funny because resale, you would think someone might go, oh, that's sustainability or, oh, that's circular economy. Kind of not always the case. There's sometimes, and it almost depends on the purview of maybe the individual their, their role, their job, whatever it might be, but it can largely change because it's new. It will largely change across any organization. Yeah. And because the, we are a B2B company and work with brands directly, brands and retailers, we also do have a customer facing component. Yeah. So there's a huge part, especially brands where um, the marketing team, the merchandising team all have a part in what the voice is to their customers. And so that's a big part of what we talk about when we're strategizing with brands or consulting with them and trying to really think through what their resale strategy is. It's really a shift in the way you talk to your customers. So therefore their e-com teams their digital teams are all involved as well because it's not just like slap on something and one team goes and does it. It's really a rethinking of the way you position your brand. Yes. Uh, that that also changes who we it talk to change. and how we talk to them. Yeah, and it makes for some massive rollouts. Well, uh, we've jumped into a great conversation here, yes. and I I do think I need to take a step back to reintroduce Recurate um, to the audience. Um, could you please talk about Recurate and and what you all are providing as a solution to your clients? Yeah. So Recurate started about two and a half years ago at the beginning of 2020. So we are a fully, uh, you know, digital company. We are work from home, everybody, which is pretty cool to see. And that's also shaped who we are as a company. So Recurate integrates directly with brands e-commerce and for, so that they can own resale. So taking the behavior of what customers are really doing at a very great and very fast pace, which is selling on eBay, ThreadUp, The Real Real, Poshmark, Depop, kind of all of these, what we call third-party marketplaces, taking that behavior, integrating it directly into the brand's website. And that allows them 
point I was talking about earlier, yes. to really change the narrative with their customer. So they get all the data on, you know, when a customer wants to sell, how much it sells for, how long customers keep their items for. Historically, if you think about it, brands and retailers have only known all the information up until that sale point. And then it's kind of like, poof, you're gone forever. And what brands really want to do is develop that loyalty. And so this is a huge way to do that. So we're helping them. So we are the technology. We're really a resale operating system. So within that, for each brand, it's going to be a little bit different how they want to engage with resale. Some want to do peer-to-peer. So that's directly going from one customer to another. Some are going to want to do some version of take back where in stores or online, their customers ship them in. And we work with operational partners to be able to list and fulfill those items. Some are going to want to do um, recycling or upcycling, things like that. So we've basically created optionality and what they can do to create their resale program. How long did it take for y'all to hone into those options? Because I'm sure it didn't start with, hey, here's your suite of options. I'm sure it was, hey, we have the solution. And then the market was like, great, we actually want a different one. How long did it take for you to guys to, to really figure that out? Yeah, it's ever evolving. And we Always. have great brand partners who give us a lot of great feedback, as you can imagine. But we started as peer-to-peer because we really see that as the most scalable of the resale options. It's the least resource-intensive from a brand perspective. So you don't need to set up a warehouse. You don't need to, you know, create photography stations and conditioning and all of that. And it's also what customers really want to do. And Can we, so all right, this is the time where I need to unpack something you said, yeah, you said we, photography stations and something else. Yeah. Warehousing in general. So we can also unpack this a little bit, but I have been in resale my whole career, which is kind of a, maybe the most millennial thing about me. I don't know. I also watch TikTok often. So maybe that's the most millennial thing about me. Um, and that might be a little push in Gen Z, but yeah. Okay, great. Great. <laughs> yeah. Young millennials. Yes. I'll call myself. Um, so I started at Sotheby's and there it's a pretty labor intensive process to sell anything. There's photography stations. You have to ship the item in, you have to store it. Then when it's sold, you have to ship the item out. Yes. And then I worked at the real world, which is pretty similar. They've used technology to really scale that, but it still is a labor intensive process. You know, it comes in, you have to sort the items, grade them, condition them, store them until they sell. And so what I have seen is technology has allowed resale or allowed consumers to engage with resale in a different way and essentially lower the price point at which people could sell. So throughout my career, I I like Mm. keep lowering in price point, which is interesting. But to me, that means that resale has become more accessible. Yeah, I think lowering in price point, but probably broadening in scale. Um, I I so rudely interrupted. We had to detour there. We were talking about how you isolated the peer-to-peer model and that's where you all were starting and then where you all were expanding as according to other client needs. Yeah. So it's been pretty interesting for us because, um, we wanted people, we wanted brands to be able to spin up resale fairly quickly. So a lot of our brands can spin up a resale, say, integrated into their e-com site in less than eight weeks. And that's because peer-to-peer makes it really easy. We actually just launched a resale report um, about circularity and how, and really examining how customers feel about brands and Mm. the role they play in resale. And one of the things that excited me was that we isolated this group when we called circulars. So there are people who buy and sell 
a lot of, a lot of people say like, oh, I either, I just sell or, oh, I just buy. And what we saw is this growing group, particularly under 30. So a lot of Gen Z that want to do both buy and sell. And they actually prefer peer to peer because they want to get as much value for the items that they're selling. They want to keep the value. And so they don't want to pay for all that warehousing and shipping and all the extra costs. Very cool. So then uh, I'm curious if you went deep into the demographics. Um, I've seen historically, personally, anecdotally, um, this be female dominated. Is that still continue to be the trend or are we starting to see a sort of a, a, a gender equality there in terms of being the circulars? So I'll just note the headline that we um, we lead with, because I think this is super important, yeah. is that of the 11 geographies we surveyed, which included U.S., Canada, and a lot of Western Europe, um, 74% of people engaged in some sort of resale. Nice. 74%. Yeah. So if you think about it like that, I mean, yes, it's predominantly female, but more and more men are doing it. And yep. that's across all demographics too. Well, and that and that probably works out because even typically female audiences, viewerships, demographics being on a cutting edge when it comes to sustainability, that it's only going to be men that might be lagging behind and then starting to use that solution just as it gains more traction and more scalability. Yeah. And we have a couple great brands that are focused on men specifically, like Ministry of Supply. They focus right. on work clothes for men. They're doing a great job at selling their items. And they're selling quickly. Cool. Uh, Peak Design creates fantastic camera bags for outdoor adventures, and they're doing really well. And a lot of their customers buy because the items have such strong resale value. So they'll buy new. They can look at um, like the PDP and it'll say for the everyday backpack, you can buy it for $269 or you can buy it secondhand for $160. And so when they go to buy new, they can see really that value of what the item is secondhand. And we pulled some, st some stats on that too. We, in our survey, we asked, you know, and about, I think like 54% of respondents wanted to get at least half the value in resale as what they paid for it new. So now customers are thinking this through and it's a consideration when they buy something new. That is so applicable to what Reaply has going on on our end, where it's, I think we're generally fighting against a stigma of, of used. Um, and what we, what we see on our end, primarily being our furniture, our fixtures, and our equipment that we focus so intently on, um, but there's still a stigma, even in the business world, where, again, people want the brand new shiny thing. We're starting to see it change a little bit, but clearly y'all are starting to see it change uh, sort of monumentally in terms of consumer preference and in terms of consumer impact. Yeah. And 63% of respondents said that they thought brands could do more, which I thought was like this huge call to action for brands and retailers. Um, I think, and I will say I've seen a change in the past year and a half. So I've been a recurring for a year and a half now. I've been talking to brands about a year and a half ago, we were like, this is why you should do resale. <laughs> and now it's less, this is why you should do it. And it's just when they're going to do it and how. So those options that we talked about where there's peer to peer, there's take back, there's yep. recycling and upcycling. Um, they're just figuring out what makes the best sense for their brand. Um, but it is, it is soon in the way that sustainability has become table stakes. I believe resale will become table stakes as well. Absolutely. Um, what else were you all pulling from um, in terms of the report here? I know it was just launched this week. 
Um, yeah. So anybody else can look it up. At, I'm sure you will have it posted on Recurate. But what else? Um, what else did you all find the most interesting out of that report? There were so many fascinating things. I think one thing is that um, a lot of brands we talk to think that the motivation is really sustainability. And we chatted a little about this earlier that, um, that brands are like, oh, maybe the sustainability person should be the one running this. And that's definitely a motivator. And it's something that interests them, but it's really value. Mm. So customers are willing to try a new brand if they can try secondhand first and they want to try from the brand. So there's a huge customer acquisition play as well. And they're willing to do that because they don't have to pay the full price. They can pay a lower price and be able to get the same quality, understand the brand, know it, most likely love it. And then they come back and buy full price or buy more secondhand. I love that because that so speaks to who I am as a consumer of now. I'm in a phase I'm in, I don't know what, at least in terms of um, how I'm, my spending patterns of investing in the things that I want. So typically it's, it is that exact sort of process of, oh, I, I need to figure out if this is of quality and stands almost up to the rigors of my life and my use. <laughs> And then investing in that brand. So it's really cool to hear that that's in general what's happening when people care about the brands that they're investing in. Absolutely. Um, and what's interesting, I think, uh, different side of the same coin is that circulars actually rotate their closet out much oh. more than uh, non-resale shoppers or even solely buyers or solely sellers. And at first glance, you can be like, oh, they just love to flip stuff. They just love, you know, they love clothes and materialistic. But really what it is, is that they're buying with the intention to use it and then sell it. So they're living up to that name of circularity and they become really great customers for brands because they come back and shop much more frequently, almost twice as much, twice as often. So now you have these customers that want to be your most loyal customers because they want to wear it, take an Instagram picture with it, you know, enjoy it. Yep. And then they want to sell it. And to me, that is the antidote to fast fashion that everyone gets and rightfully. So is doing so much damage. So rather than buying it, throwing it away, why not buy a quality piece, you know, as a resale value, wear it, take your Instagram picture or your B reel. I just downloaded that. Take your B reel picture. I know. I'm telling don't you. Don't even know. Oh, I think I have heard of this. Yes. Okay. Is this the one where you're in the moment you get prompted? And, yes. Okay. Yes. You have two minutes. But the problem is I'm in like 10 meetings a day. And then so you I'm always better take meeting. a picture of that laptop. <laughs> yes. Um, like me and you. Yeah, exactly. Ex exactly. Um, oh, so that, okay. So then that really, so God, that prompts the next, really the next question of, I mean, I can hear the critics right now, right? I can hear the critics say, is that circular? And it's like, yeah, even though there is impact, I think I would almost prefer that even though there's impact in the logistics and moving things from here to there, is that offsetting? And I, in my opinion, probably yes. The, the other habit of buying something in order to wear it once or twice or three times and then getting rid of it. And Goodwill, although a great organization and in a lot of ways an awesome secondary market option, there's still so much that they have to address in terms of that volume that there's still so much that ends up in landfill or ends up in landfill in other countries when those options are also exhausted in other nations. And so I think this is the growth of obviously an opportunity for them to have that market liquidity to mm -hmm. be able to sell so quickly and maybe across uh, – such equals, they're their peers, 
that they can maintain a value without, again, some sort of high depreciation, right? Where it's not like they're spending $100 and then they see a $25 return on that item. They might spend $100 and see $80, see that Mm -hmm. discount play out, and then they get, but they still get their use out of it and they see that being worth $20. Exactly, exactly. And the other side of that, so that's the consumer side of right. things. Yeah. We also look at it from the brand side of things, yes. which is right now they have no insights or information Absolutely. or data about the secondary market. So they don't know that customer that you're talking about. They don't know how long they have it for. They don't even know what the items are selling for. So when we talk to brands, we often pull the numbers from Poshmark and eBay and Depop. And we're like, this is how many items are transacting. This is how much on average they're selling for. And really show them how big the market is right now without them being involved and once they get involved what we are doing is feeding them back that information so that they can make better decisions about production Mm. so for the critics as you can you know rightly hear start talking (laughs) and as they should uh, we should all be in operating in a in a place of feedback and yeah exactly yeah And what we're really trying to do is help them better understand how to predict demand. Because at the end of the day, that's where a lot of the waste comes from. A lot of brands want to overproduce just in case demand is high. When you have a resale marketplace, you can compensate the demand for new products with secondhand products. And there are tons of your products out there in the world. And so tapping into your customers closets, you know, or their garages or wherever it may be is a great way to supplement that. Absolutely. Have you all seen any, or has there any been any feedback from clients around the potential to get more like design related feedback? Has that been a part of the conversation where there might be something that either wears too quickly or they want to try to emulate the success of something in a, in a, in a cycle? Totally. Um, Peak Design was one of our first clients. They're one of our best. And their catalog doesn't change a whole ton. But what they do is keep improving the item. And a lot of that is based on how the product does in the secondhand market. So like, oh, that strap is like starting to tear before anything else tears. Like we need to fix it. And so that is also to bring full circle to the beginning of the conversation, that change in the way you interact with your customer, you know, being able to say like, we are actually creating a high value product and it's quality and lasts a long time. And one way to stand behind saying that is to show that there's a resale market for it and that those items do last. Incredible. Um, what's, what's sort of on the horizon for recurate? Um, it's it, obviously getting some clients, getting some big logos, but what can you share with the audience here on what they can expect next as a, as a maybe a consumer of the products that, that you all are offering to clients? Yeah, I love it. So we're, we have over 50 brands signed, about 25 live. So expect another about 25 to launch in the next couple of months. Any big names that that you can say client-wise? You said Peak, you said, who'd you say earlier? Yeah, yes. so of our, our current customers, we work with Steve Madden and Dolce Vita. They're part of the same family of brands. We also work with Claire V. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they have a great following, including myself. Um, Um, And they do leather handbags and they actually did something when they started, they did an in-store take back. So they allowed their customers to come in and drop off any item. And then they gave them site credit to spend there at the store. And that did really well. Their customers were like, wait a second, I want to do this, but I don't live near a store. And they're like, just hold on a second. So their resale marketplace has done really well. It's actually beautiful as well. Um, I frequent it 
too often. Um, and then we have outer known. So another, you know, big men's yes, clothing. Something men I'm, 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 yes. Men there as well. Um, so kind of all really like all categories, a lot of different price points. We work with some more luxury like um, Bajli Mishka and Mara Hoffman. So higher price points, items that special occasion things. Yep. Um, so it's really kind of been across the board. And then more to come. Um, I will also say we just launched with Killstar, which is a goth brand, and mm. they have a great following and their products last for a resale. So like there's what's I think fascinating is a lot of people think of the small group of products that are super high quality and they're like, these are the ones for outdoor, but or not outdoor, but like these are the ones for resale because you can go outdoors, you can do whatever for them. When really so many brands what have I- great what I love about that is I that I can relate to outer known. So I, I as a being a fan of the brand, um, it seems like again what's been so cool to see for these these first companies to join and and then more to come yeah. is these companies have their followings and their yep. followings are dedicated consumers of the 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 yeah. products that they put out. And so I'm I'm looking at that being like oh outer known I I would love the potential again to pick up some outer known options would then again, further invest in the brand um, just as much as I think someone who is, frequents Killstar, did I get that yes. right? Would be loving the products that service exactly, exactly the community that they want to be a part of. Exactly. And so really when you integrate resale and secondhand, you open up this new way of, of engaging with your customers in the same way that people were like, Oh, e-com is so different 20 years ago. And like, yep. it's so, you know, like how are we going to have the same experience in e-com that we have in store? Well, now it's like, integrate resale into the experience you have with your customers and it just grows the pie. There's yep. no other place where you can buy out or new and secondhand together. And so that's what makes it such a unique experience. You could check out right now on out known with like a secondhand jacket and a new pair of pants yep. um, and nowhere else can you do that. Nope. Nope. Um, in fact, I, now that I know that and I was looking at that this weekend, I was like, I should have put two and two together that that was y'all. Um, well, excellent. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, checking in and filling us in on the, the great work that you're doing on Recurate. Anything else you would want to leave the, the listeners with? No, if they want to look at the resale report, it's recurate.com slash resale report. Um, so we try to make it pretty easy. Excellent. Uh, but I will just say, having been in resale my whole career, it is so exciting to me that brands are finally on board. Um, working at Sotheby's, we would often have to send, um, you know, Van Gogh's or things like that to the Van Gogh Museum in order to get authenticated. So there was this um, kind of... Uh, difficult or tenuous relationship between yes. art and the artist's estate. Um, and so I had always thought it would be so cool to be able to fix that relationship or, or bring the original creators back more into the space. And so it's been fantastic to be a part of that. Are you all hiring? Yeah. Come on down. Especially if you're an engineer, let us know. Hey, hey you, you and me both don't, don't, don't uh, look at us both here. People, if you're an engineer, there's, there's equal opportunity here. Um, well, you excellent. Your time. I promise. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, check it out anyway. The career, uh, careers page at recurate. Um, I love hearing all that. That makes so much sense though, in terms of, I loved your, your example with Van Gogh though. Cause again, decreasing the latency of which things can be resold and then increasing the liquidity of those things in a marketplace. Amazing things can happen with a brand. 
I'll just say my best cocktail story that I'm going to ruin by telling everyone on this podcast. Yes. I carried a Van Gogh to Amsterdam on a plane. Um, so I have firsthand experience with so having to get those items. Were you were in coach and the Van Gogh was in first class or how did that, that work? It was, I held it like ha- this in business the whole time. The whole time. Yes. And my Van Gogh. Um, <laughs> someone was like, excuse me, why won't you put that box down? I'm like, never putting the box down. <laughs> the box stays with me. Me. Um, excellent. Uh, thank you, Karen. Thanks for such an awesome time today. Yeah, it was very chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am.